planet Earth's a rocket wagon train upon a journey. And what if aliens don't fight an actress named Seth Gurney? We're not a bunch of geeks who live in basements, sleep on futons, but who wouldn't stream our podcast if we're calling it Space Croutons. It's an intergalactic, robot automatic, sporadic trip around the sun. It's a totally terrific, proven scientific, freaking fantastic phases set to fun. It's space crew talk. We think. Get your space suit on. It's pink. We're triple cute. On that you can rely. And once you've tossed your salad in your flying saucer, it's valid to add space crew for lunching. With Neil Diamond? Lucy in the sky. I love Neil Diamond. Lucy in the sky. No, not Neil Diamond. With Space Croutons. Hello, listeners. This is Sally lamenting our lack of a Cordy Clammerwood, but bringing you another mysterious episode of Space Croutons joined by my young friend Seaver, podcasting today from a well-hidden treehouse fort in a wooded area far, far away from Grover's Mills Middle School. That's right. Welcome to our fortress of podcastitude. Until we find your friend, Sally, we need to keep you safe. Period. Since our last show, Seaver and I have been sending cryptic coded messages out through our light and dark web connections in hopes that Curdy can hear and respond. But so far, we've got nothing. But that won't cancel us from bringing you more stories. I mean, like, dude, it's like cramming for a test. If you can score class notes from the geeks then you've got a better chance at a C. So Sally, you and your podians are like my space croutonic study group. How Gucci is that? Seaver, we can discuss how Gucci that is while our listeners experience a tune from today's sponsor, Randy Reacher voicing our plea for Curdy to please contact us. Here is Gotta Get Back. To simplify and leave you never said goodbye so long. That was so easy Had no signs to answer What went wrong So I gotta get back I gotta get back Oh, I gotta get back to you I gotta get back The sea is so black Thank you, Randy. Let's hope the sentiment in your song reaches Cordy and he can get back to us. Hey, Say Say, 
Can I introduce the story? I mean, it's got tattoos and other sick stuff. Please, YOLO, right? If you promise to never call me say say again, I will allow you to introduce the story. Okay. Alright, Tope Squad, here's a flex. No cap rap for your vibe check called Everything's Ruined. Cold water splashes my face, and I sputter as I fully wake up after yawning my way from bed to bathroom like a thousand times before. I am humming a familiar yet unnamed melody stuck in my head since I woke up. Then I straighten up, glancing in the mirror for the first time, and freeze in shock at the reflection of my face staring back at me, not because of my 8 a.m. stubble or bleary eyes, but instead panicking about what appears to be a series of clearly drawn symbols, each about half an inch square, running from just below my left eye down my cheek and ending at my jawline. Judas on a cracker! A less volatile curse from my Baptist upbringing punctuates my surreal moment of discovery. My face is not tender or needle sore, so this can't be a tattoo, right? I mean, when I got sunburst on my shoulder years ago, the excruciating agony was the decider. I'm never doing that again. Yet here I am, gaping at something I should remember happening, but don't. Blinking my eyes in hopes that my cheek will reappear smooth and clean. No ink to signify that, yes, I did something stupid last night. And now, as I think it through, there was nothing unusual about last night either. I came home after a movie, Pedro Amaldovar's latest, grabbed and enjoyed a medium stem of grapes before hitting my pillow, where I read for ten minutes or so before clicking off the light and finding sleep. Nowhere in that memory is there a moment I can't recall. No holes in my timeline. Grabbing the liquid soap pump, I squirt, lather, rub, and scrub the marking still deeply blue on my skin. I dash to the garage for the pumice bar sitting at the laundry sink, applying it on the way back to the bathroom, praying for the least bit of fading. But the reflection was as distinct as before, with my cheek underneath redder from the scouring and frustration at my predicament. No, 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 Jack, this is not happening, I whine. Today is Saturday, and it's just supposed to be a light brunch with friends, a walk down to the street fair in the park, and then a beer or two to cap an early evening. I live alone, which cancels out the possibility of a rogue roommate playing a prank whilst I sleep. There is no sign of a break-in, and even if there was, what kind of loony breaks in to do something like this? I check my phone. Fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes before I need to head out for brunch. I can't go like this. Then, like lightning, I shout, Jehoshaphat! No, I am not having a senior moment, although I am nearly 60, nor am I a product of a one-room schoolhouse. I really know someone named Jehoshaphat. He is covered in ink himself and, in fact, owns a tattoo shop in the cool part of town. We met back in the 80s when I went by Jackson and thought being cool mattered. It was Jehoshaphat who taught me that you can't be cool. You either are cool or you're not. It all starts with you liking yourself, he would say. 
Yes, that sounds awfully artsy-fartsy, but it's one of the few artsy-fartsy adages I've found to be true. Hosey, as he liked to be referred to, was an out-of-the-box thinker with an entire catalog of inked images all over his body. Surely, he must have the wisdom needed to figure this out and get my face back. I grab the fob for my Prius and head to the garage, thanking God that it is Saturday and surely this will be resolved before I start the new work week. And if it takes a bit more time, well, I can often work from home. However, with a manager that insists on meetings via video, I just might need to get a bit creative if it comes to it. I back the car into the street as the garage door closes and gear shift toward Jehoshaphat's jinx-piercing place and tattoo tower. I think he's open on Saturdays. Siri, call Hosey. Then, in a whisper, please be open, please be open, please be open. I slowly coast, then rev through three intersections as I check for cross traffic and reach a fourth stop sign as Hosey finally answers. Hosey, I need your help. Are you at the shop? Jack? Uh, no. I'm just getting up. What do you need? Hosey, it's my face. I I stammer, not sure how much to try explaining over the phone. Can I just come over? I need you to take a look at something. After a long sigh or maybe a yawn. Sure, Jack. I'm at the house. Doors open. And then a click. Hosey doesn't waste his breath conversing, especially before coffee. I take a left and then another as I am now headed in the opposite direction, thankful his house is only a couple of miles back past mine. One traffic light and then a right and two stop signs later, I pull in front of his house at 112 and 2 halves Market Avenue. Hosey is superstitious enough to refuse to have an address of 113 Market and even petition the city for a variance to have it legally changed and I take the one remaining spot on the street just before the no parking sign signifying the lane for the corner bus stop. Clicking the fob to lock, as I power walk the few steps to his front door, I steal myself for his reaction, though in reality, Hosey is famous for his lack of reaction, having in his own words, seen it all. Turning the knob, I enter. Hosey! Hosey! Kitchen. Coffee's on. I hear from around the corner. Stumbling in that direction, I involuntarily put my hand up to cover the left side of my face, still not believing this is really happening, desperate to make it go away. Hosey is shirtless and hunkered over the kitchen table with a steaming mug in one hand and a car magazine, old school just like me in the other. He glances up at me as I enter locking eyes from behind my right hand stretched across my left cheek. I pause... Hosey says nothing. Then I drop my hand and simply say, look. He squints as I step closer and then he slowly rises. What the? I know. What made you go and do that? He takes my chin in his rough hand, still warm from the coffee mug, and turns my face to get a better look in the sunlit dining area. I I didn't. I mean, I would. There's no way I would have. I wasn't even drinking last night. How could this is stupid? It's impossible. I am running out of ways to try and explain the unexplainable. Hosey, what do I do? Hosey is silent then starts grinning, bigger and bigger, finally breaking into a laugh from deep in his belly. He gasps for breath and staggers over to his chair, holding on to the tabletop as he grunts into his seat. What do you do? What 
do you do? <laughs> Looks like you already did. And he is lost in guffaws, <laughs> slapping the table with one hand and wiping away tears in the other. Hosey, this isn't funny. I did not do this. I grab the table and lean toward him. This ain't something I did, and I need you to fix it. I burst into frustrated tears as the whole horrible, out-of-control situation finally crashes onto me. To his credit, Hosey snaps out of ridiculous mode and into a wise old brother as he comes back around and steers me into an empty chair. Calm down, Jack. Just, just calm down. I'm sorry. But you've got to admit, this is not a thing I would ever expect you to do. I didn't do it, I cry. Okay, okay. What can you tell me? I relay my morning activities that brought me to the present moment in as much detail as I can, insisting that nothing I did last night could have predicated this to happen. By the time I finally take a breath, Hosey is more centered and in processing mode. He again grabs my face and studies the symbols, runs his fingers over them, testing for sensitivity and inspecting the inkwork. No, it ain't a regular tattoo. This isn't like any ink I've ever seen. Can you get rid of it? Well, it's hard to say until we can figure out what it is. But Hosey, I can't. I mean, look at my face. I can't stay like this. I just can't. He pats me on the shoulder. Let me do some research. Maybe there's something out there on the interweb that can tell us what this is. I'm going to take a couple of pictures. No! I grab the phone he is holding up. We need pictures to compare to whatever we find online. Don't worry. No one else is going to see them. Besides, I'm getting them close up. No one's going to know it's you. How long will this research take? I need this gone now. I can hear panic in my voice even before I start feeling it in my body. Look, we can't just go to town on your face without knowing more. We could make it worse. We're talking scarring, pockmarks, disfigurement even. We have to take the right steps in the right order if you want to come out of this with your movie star visage intact. He chuckles. He's trying to lighten the mood, get me to step back from the panic button, and it works just a little bit. So what do I do in the meantime? I whimper. I got it. He runs out of the room. I hear rummaging in a drawer or a box, maybe. Then he enters. Here. He holds out a small bottle of some kind of makeup, a darker bronze than my own skin, closer to his sun-baked hue. You wear makeup? I'm not shocked because he's a guy. Rather, it's his constant bickering about people who will spend huge amounts of money to cheat aging. I know, I know, but it's not for looking younger. It's for not looking so damn tired all the time. Then he laughs, and I start to laugh as well. We'll cover this up until we figure out what will take it away. He opens the bottle and begins applying it generously to my cheek. After a few aggressive minutes, he steps back and grimaces. Well, it ain't exactly your color. We'll have to do the whole face. You're going to have to tell folks you fell asleep in a tanning bed. He steps back again, then slaps my shoulder with a definitive... Done! I head to his bathroom mirror and stand there halfway between a smile of relief and a laugh at how unnatural my usually pale face looks. But at least the marks are hidden. Hosey, you're a lifesaver. Now then, let's rev up that Webopedia thing and get this handled. He calls from the hallway as he clomps into his den and over to his desk, stacked with ink drawings, art catalogs, stencils, tattoo supplies, and a weary-looking laptop. 
I plop down on a well-worn futon behind him where I can look over his shoulder as he types a series of keystrokes and the laptop comes to life. More keystrokes and he's opened up a browser window. I am impressed at his ease with this. I know him socially with a beer in his hand and I visited the shop, my sunburst is one of his pieces, where he is a whiz with the tattoo pen and ink, but this is the first time I've ever seen Hosey at a computer. First, I loaded the pick of your cheek with the symbols into a shape recognition program. Now I'm starting to search for anything that might match any of those symbols. We breathe softly as the computer hums and a search bar turns green, reaching from left to right across the screen. But there are no results yet. A loud ping indicates the search has completed and a large message displays no matches found. I sigh. I can't handle any dead ends. I need some answers. Please, Hosey, please think of something. Hosey sits with a finger clenched in his teeth for several seconds, then... Wait, let's try... As he types another series of keystrokes, alternating with mouse clicks, and finally punctuates with one ceremonious strike of the enter key. There, let's see if... And before he can finish, the computer screen begins to ferociously load a vast search results list, clicking and scrolling for almost two minutes before we see the message, search completed. Hosey, what did you do? I stand up from the futon staring at the screen. Listen, I deal with symbols and shapes all the time. Sometimes a client wants something really different and unique, right? So one of the tricks I've developed to please some of my more finicky customers is to take a shape and distort it, reshape it, even flip it around to a mirror image to make it look a bit weird. So I did that with your cheek pick. I flipped it backwards, and that got us all these hits. He grins big. Hosey, you're a genius! I grab him in a bear hug, laughing with relief. So what is this stuff? I gesture to my face. Let's take a look. He sits and starts scrolling through the list, and then he pauses. This is incredible. He clicks on an entry and displays what turned out to be a NASA-sponsored astronomy website. What's incredible? What? Jack, these symbols, they're constellations. They're what? It isn't yet clicking for me. Constellations. Each of these symbols, backwards... Grabbing a bandana from a pile of stuff on his desk, he rubs the makeup from my cheek, taking a more intent gaze at the markings. Each one matches a constellation, pattern of stars. The top one is Lacerta, then Volans, then Ara, Pavo, Indus, Serpens, then Monoceros, and down at your jawline is Phoenix. Are you sure you have no idea where these came from? I swear to you, this is all a mystery to me. Are you sure about the constellations? That's so weird. Hosey stood and looked me straight in the eyes. Don't you think it's weirder that these constellations are drawn in reverse? In unison, we both happened to scratch our heads like it was choreographed, which makes us both laugh. But the laughter is quickly interrupted by a voice coming from the computer. The markings aren't weird. They're a form of visual communication. A chill runs up my spine as we both turn toward the computer. Hosey speaks first. Who is this? Where are you? My name is Dad. I'm speaking to you through a connection I control on the deep web. Hosey and I exchange glances as Dad continues. When you started finding matches for the symbols, I received a notification and then was able to access and control your computer, including your microphone and camera, so I can see and hear you right now. I'm not trying to alarm you. I'm just trying to help. Hosey nods slowly. Okay, Dat the Stalker, how can you help? 
I can help you understand the symbols. I've been dealing with this language for some time now. I frown and touch my face. Language? What language? Can you tell me how these friggin' things were drawn on my face? Can you tell me how to get them off? Another voice, this time female, chimes in. They won't come off. Sorry. But Dak can help you understand what they are. We already know what they are. They're constellations in reverse. But that explains nothing. And who the heck are you anyway? Brittany and I have been working together for some time now with these symbols. What they are and what they mean. Why they display the way they do. So far, I've seen these or ones like these on objects. But this is the first time I've seen them showing up on a person. Dak, this is amazing. Amazing. You call my disaster amazing? Listen here, people. Point one. You have illegally invaded Hosey's home through the deep net, whatever that is. Point two, you took control of Hosey's computer to spy on us. And point three, you are jumping with joy about my possible permanent disfigurement. I would consider these great reasons for us to call the FBI on your butts. What's amazing is that we haven't done that yet. Okay, okay. First, let's at least tell you what we know, and then hopefully we can come up with a solution. Please just give us a chance to help before you call the cops. Hosey looks at me and shrugs his shoulders. Hey, Dad, Brittany, how about you both turn on a camera so we can see you too? I mean, fair is fair, and if you really want to help, that would be a start. A couple of seconds later, a beep announces a video chat with a link button displayed on the screen. Hosey clicks, and we see a man on the left and a woman on the right in two separate locations. Hello, guys. The man leads toward his camera. I'm Dad. And I'm Brittany. Says the woman. Now let's get down to business. Hosey looks at me, and I nod, not sure what else to do. He nods to the screen and says, Tell us what you know. Dat takes a breath. Years ago, I came across these same characters you have on your face in my work as a computer programmer. I was unable to match them to anything specific, origin-wise. When I started running them through a program using the old computer punch card technology at the time, it seemed to translate them. I was ultimately able to come up with the phrase, This will change life as you know it. I was then able to identify an 18 musical note melody from the patterns the computer program produced from inputting these characters, which I also believe has some significance. Brittany takes over. And I found out through the deep web after I began to deal with weird stuff with my friend Aiden. Aiden disappeared for a while with no explanation, and during my search for him, I found these exact symbols on the side of a, a banana hanger. I can see in her eyes that she knows this sounds ridiculous. Hosey breaks the awkward silence. I see. Where is Aiden now? Brittany considers and then re-angles her computer and we see a man sitting silent, eyes open but empty like a trance, sitting on a sofa in the room behind her. Aiden came back like this about a month ago and then the melody Dad identified through his computer program. I heard it playing when Aiden returned. For me, all of this has to do with the objects. Like a banana hanger, I am unable to mask my sarcasm. Look, like I said, these markings are on things. Things that make stuff happen, like Aiden disappearing and coming back. You say you have no idea where your face tattoo came from, so how is what I've seen any more unbelievable than that? Yeah, and don't even get me started on Lucy, the talking dog. They have a point. If they're willing to believe me, maybe I shouldn't be so quick to doubt them. Sorry, I say. Dat pushes forward. So now you know why you are so interested. And desperate, and why we want to help. Tell us more about these constellations. Hosey explains the process he took to match the symbols, including his idea to try the mirror image, which resulted in the program identifying the constellations. Okay, 
I'm thinking this is some kind of visual means of communication, a language, if you will. I've had some success translating it, and now you've matched these to specific constellations. That can't be a coincidence, but why in reverse? Are they, whoever they are, trying to hide something? This is impossible. Brittany's frustration is reaching my level as she looks over her shoulder at Aiden, still sitting on the sofa. Then Hosey chimes in with a subtle new energy. That's just it. Nothing is impossible at this point. Not with all that's happening. So what are some of the impossible possibilities? Off the cuff, I blurt out my next thought. Okay, what if the symbols are constellations from the other side? Dat looks confused. Huh? I look at Hosey, then to the computer. Well, if I were going to create a visual form of communication based on constellations I can see from here, they would look like our constellations. So could a civilization that created this language be from somewhere where these constellations look reversed because they see them from the other side? So you see, Curdy, that is why we come to you and your podcasts. Brittany and Dat and now me and Hosey are right smack in the middle of something here, and you have to get us some answers soon, I hope, for our sake, for your sake, and everyone's sake. Okay, Jack, you better come back for more, for more, for more, for more. And to the people out there, this info regarding the cryptic symbols fills in some of those blank spaces. But does this help us find Cordy? Let's hope so. As always, Seaver my man, you rock. Thanks dude, happy to be here. This slaps. And thanks again to our listeners for your interest and support. Remember to keep listening and keep peace in your heart until our next story time. It's Space Crew Talk. We think. Get your space suit on. It's pink. We're triple Q. On that you can rely. And once you've tossed your salad in your flying saucer, it's valid to add Space Crew Talk. The launching with Lucy in the sky. With Neil Diamond. Lucy in the sky. I love Neil Diamond. Lucy in the sky. No, not Neil Diamond. With Space Croutons. Space Croutons is a work of original fiction. Similarities to persons, situations, or events, real or fictional, is coincidental and unintentional. Created and written by Jerry, Jace, John, Della, and Jeff Goodson. Episode 18 story by Jeff. Original music by Jeff. Production by Jeff, John, Della, and Jared. Featuring the voice talents of Steve Garrigan, Jared Morrow, Levi Blakesley, John, Brittany, Jeff, and Sally. Entire work copyright 2020 by Jeff, John, Jerry, Della, and Jace Goodson. This has been a Good Witch Audio production.